Ashley Ranasingha. I am the host of Pivot Masters Podcast, and you are here listening to one of our story shares. So Pivot Masters Podcast offers a variety of episodes where we are building a positive dialogue and conversation around career pivoting. And occasionally, we share the stories of people who have successfully done just that. And that's the episode type you have stumbled upon today. So today's story is about Pastor John Asher, who is someone I've had the pleasure to work directly with. He's actually even been my supervisor at one point. He's really incredible. You may need some tissues. Uh, this I <laughs> this might be the first time I'm saying that on this podcast. Um, there was definitely a, p- a point where I get a bit choked up. Um, so yeah, John really dives in and shares some really deep um, elements of his life that really contributed to some of the career pivots that he's experienced throughout his career. So I'm really very super grateful for him um, and and the conversation that we have and the story we're about to share with you today. I actually don't want to spend too much more time jibber jabbering here at the beginning, but I do want to send out a quick reminder that we really appreciate our Patreon subscribers and we would love, 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 love if you told your friends, your family, shared our podcasts, our posts, whatever it might be to show your support. It means so much to us. Um, yeah, thank you so much for everyone who has just interacted with us and and shared the podcast itself. And yeah, we're excited that season two is off to such a straight strong start. <laughs> All right, well, let's hop right on in and and uh, yeah, enjoy our conversation with John. John, please share with listeners a summary of your career so far. Hi, I'm John, and since high school, I've invested my life in helping others capture their calling. I am obsessive about helping people grow through deep relationships, tackling the difficult questions in life, and equipping them to embrace their passions. My faith has taught me to love others as they need to be loved. And I have been honored to live into that truth in every place I've served, including a Silicon Valley startup, an international nonprofit, a TV show production, and finally now as the pastor of a flourishing community of faith. Oh, John, I'm excited. I, I, so I want us to kind of circle backwards a bit and I'd like to hear about young adulthood. So, John, did you attend college? Did you get an undergrad degree? What did that look like for you? Yeah, I did. And really, the the seeds for my path there started um, late in high school. I had a mentor. Mm -hmm. I did youth ministry and was really involved with church. And my my mentor at the time uh, told me that before I go into ministry, I should go and try everything else that I could possibly be interested in before committing my life to ministry. And what I learned later was that secretly he went to my mom and told her at the time that uh, one day I would be a pastor. (laughs) 
So um, he kind of knew my endpoint, but knew I needed a journey to get there. And so that led me to seeing how I could help people um, outside of a religious context. So I initially thought that that was going to be through telling the truth through news broadcasting. So I went to <laughs> Washington State and uh, pursued a news broadcasting communications degree. Um, and then eventually after that, I went on. Wait, yeah. wait, wait, just <laughs> this is so on point for this week. It's true. <laughs> so in case, you know, because we, we, we haven't discussed when we're going to release your episode, right? But yeah. we do pre-record our episodes. Today <laughs> is January 8th of 2021. <laughs> it, it, I mean... Me just saying that date should kind of ring some bells as to like what's happening <laughs> and just ring <laughs> your 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 idea, which I love. I love the idea of entering in broadcasting to to share the truth, right? And to spread factual <laughs> information. <laughs> um yeah, that's just ironic, John. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is. I have to say, in this week, I'm having a bit of a love affair with the truth um, and fact-based mm. evidence. And, you know, for me, where it comes from and, and really what it was a reflection of early um, as I went to school for news broadcasting was this idea that that love and loving others is tied to truth, right? You can't love somebody by giving false promises. You can't love somebody by falsehoods and lies. You can't love somebody without understanding their real lived experience. And so this idea mm -hmm. that truth is foundational to serving the world and loving others um, really captured me um, and was a principle I wanted to find a way to live into. That's beautiful. No, thanks. Yeah. I've, like I said, I've been having a love affair with the truth this week because I desperately <laughs> want it to reign again in our society. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. So, okay. So you're, you're in school and you're studying news broadcasting. You have a clear set of values, it seems, that are kind of guiding you through this journey. And then what? Yeah, well, sometimes you find that the way in which you're living out that value is not right for you. And um, <laughs> what I noticed, you know, I'm really grateful that I went to a competitive uh, school when it comes to communications because I looked around at my classmates and I just consistently had the experience of, wow, they love this more than I do. <laughs> they are going for the scoops. Wow. They are working way harder than I am. And um, for me, there's something about this medium that that is not working. Um, and at that point, I was already committed. I, you know, I was in my final year when I had that uh, realization. And so, so that started to pivot me, and and that's where I moved uh, into pursuing a master's um, in New York City at Fordham University in counseling. A similar idea of helping people kind of get away from the lies and the the ways in which we deceive ourselves and, you know, find who they truly are. Um, but yeah. in a very different context and one in which I had the opportunity to sit with people, know them deeply, relationship based, you know, not necessarily firm timelines. Um, and so I took a hard right turn in trying to live into that principle. Hmm. I, I, I love when moments like this happen on 
the podcast, right? Because from an outsider, or if I'm just looking at a piece of paper, the kid who go the college kid, sorry, the person who goes from news broadcasting to counseling, I'm like, wow, okay. You know, <laughs> the, for, on paper, that sounds so dramatically like polar opposite, right? But when you're describing it, right, it's clear that for you, both of those had a set of values <laughs> that you were working with that kind of, yeah, led your direction. And I think that's the big thing I hope people who listen to the podcast start to take away, right? Is that we can't just judge based on our resume how and why people are making these choices through their career. They might not make sense to you from the outside, but to that person, to you, they made sense. Absolutely. Well, and I think, you know, interview processes are more and more leaning towards being open to people's stories. And I hope that continues because yeah. stories have power and they do let you see the motivations uh, as to why people are making the choices they do. I would say that um, in some sense, I'm, I'm looking at this with hindsight. Uh, I would say that sure. it was that crisis of having invested in a degree that I no longer realized I was competitive in that, that made me say, well, why did I do this? What was I thinking? What, <laughs> what, why, what, what a big mistake this was. And, um, but, but at the same time, not discounting that there was something of value in, in that choice. And so, um, mm -hmm. and just, just kind of that idea that sometimes we have moments where we feel out of place and, and it doesn't mean there isn't truth behind the decision that led you there, but it might have just been practically lived out in the incorrect way. Sure. Yeah. Or a way that just didn't sit right. Not necessarily incorrect, just wasn't the right thing for you long term. That's true. Right. And to say incorrect makes it sound as if time was wasted or growth didn't happen. Um, right. Right. But in that idea that um, uh, that a change is needed or a pivot <laughs> is needed. <laughs> Hey, <laughs> nice word. <laughs> it's on my mind too. <laughs> okay, so I, I am curious, when you're going through your master's program, was there a specific area of counseling that you were committed to or that you kind of had your eye on? Yeah, I was looking at um, adult, uh, adult mental health. And, you know, part of that is, is that I had done so much youth ministry um, growing up um, and had done it even while I was in doing my undergrad degree, that as much as I loved, I had that demonstrated love of youth ministry, I think that intellectually and academically, I was leaning more towards adults. Um, and, and that's nothing to say anything bad about those that are interested in supporting youth. Um, it's just, I, I was interested in something new. And that was that idea, I think, of variety. I felt like I'd done something for a long time and kind of had yeah. some grounding in it, which for some people would say, well, then you should stay there. Um, but for me, I think I'm a little curious. And so that led me um, into the adult counseling world. Um, and I was able to do an internship at a, a counseling center on a college campus and, uh, and have some experience that way. So that was helpful. And the internship, I'm assuming, was during your graduate work? It was, and it was very formative um, and in the sense that I realized how, um, 
how I had moved closer to what I wanted. I did want to be in relationship with people and help that way. Um, that relationship was actually a key factor in this idea of how to love others and to live into truth. Mm-hmm. Um, but but counseling has it has its own limitations and its own purpose. Um, and uh, and so it was again a moment of um, okay, I've moved closer. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm actually not quite there yet. Um, and and for me, you know, the real aspect there was in in my experience, my faith plays a big role in how I understand health and healing. And that's been true in my story. And so having some limits on that within the counseling realm was more difficult. Sure, sure. So so John, um, you've you've made it through your master's program. And you're ready to hit the world with this new degree. I'm assuming a certification of some kind. And then what? What? Where do you go next? Yeah. And so um, well, it's good you mentioned certification because uh, I was looking at this reality where um, in order you get the degree and the degree is one part of the certifi- certification process and which is different in every state. And it's, it's years of work actually to get certified on top of your degree. So, mm. so it was one of those moments okay. where you commit or you don't commit. Right. Um, yeah. And, and again, I had these inklings in me, this uh, feeling that, uh, you know, okay, I, I need to get back into ministry. And it was strange because um, my uh, wife worked with um, a friend uh, at, I can't remember if they were at Columbia or NYU, but one of the major universities in fundraising. And she, her husband, um, worked at a organization called the World Council of Churches. And he was, he was moving on. And so there's, there's going to be this opening in this international nonprofit um, World Council of Churches. You can kind of think of it as like the UN for churches. It's where yeah. they partner up on missions. It's where theological disagreements are discussed. We kind of make sure we're not all trying to do uh, double efforts. Um, and it's a place mm. for the church to speak out broadly, mainly Protestant churches, although there's relationships with Catholic churches, uh, all within kind of the Christian tradition. And so... Um, <laughs> you know, again, this is a moment where when I heard about that, I was kind of like, that's great. I'm totally not qualified <laughs> to work <laughs> in that. But um, but I, you know, I went to the point of, of meeting this friend um, and I had known known him, but actually talking to him about the job. And um, and he knew some of my history and he actually thought I would be a good fit, which was a good, um, a great boost. And so I applied for that position. Um, certainly I think I got it because I had some support from him. Reality was I was really unqualified for it. And so it was an iron to the fire. Like it was, um, one of the most humbling experiences in my life. Um, and, Mm. uh, and the position itself was an oversubscribed position. And so it was, there was a level of incompetence and a level of, um, and a level of, and I don't say that in a demeaning way, like truly I just did not have um, the competence for it. And um, this uh, this position that just had so much weighing on it. And so it was a real fast growth accelerator for me um, because I, I yeah. wanted it and I leaned into it and I accepted my feelings and I learned and found some places to have some success. So you have the deep end of the pool right out of school, mm-hmm. it sounds like. 
How long were you with uh, the World Council of Churches? Yeah, I was with them for about two years. Um, okay. And my time got cut short there a bit because uh, my two things were happening. One was my mother got uh, diagnosed with stage four ovarian cancer, and I was still in New York City. My mom lived back um, near Portland, Oregon. And so mm-hmm. I was having to make some decisions around that. I have a, my, my father passed away when I was young. And so therefore I really had to decide, you know, am I going to be there for my mom in her final years or final time with us? Um, and then at the same time at the World Council of Churches, they were starting to reckon with financial realities and seeing how they could streamline operations. And so those two things started leading me on to, an, to um, a position where I was thinking about what my next step us all, Ashley, if this is okay to add in a third wrench, um, <laughs> yeah. was I had been accepted to Princeton Theological Seminary. Um, mm. While I was at the World Council of Churches, I had started working towards the educational requirement in my church to be a pastor, which is a master's of divinity. It's really cool. It sounds like you're a wizard. Uh, so I love that. <laughs> um, really cool name. Um, but but <laughs> seriously, though, it's, it's really about, uh, uh, you know, understanding um, how we perceive and experience God and grow closer to God. And so, um, so again, another moment of crisis where uh, I have the, the, uh, the, the full ride to Princeton Theological Seminary. It's the premier seminary. I'll just say one of the two or three premier, just in case anyone mm. has loyalties. But, two, <laughs> but premier <laughs> seminary um, in, in my church denomination, my, mm. my faith family. Um, and and yet my mother is sick. Um, yeah. My job is going away. Um, and so it was a real time to wrestle with what to do next. Before we, we we talk about what you do next, can you describe some of the work that you did while with the World Council of Churches? What was what were you responsible for? Yeah, so as I kind of mentioned, it was an oversubscribed position, um, and so sure. there's a lot of randomness. Um, one was is that I acted <laughs> as HR for my office, which was small, it was only um, a few people, as well as our advocacy office at the UN where the World Council would advocate to the national or the worldwide headquarters of the UN. Um, I would do event planning, um, which really a lot of the work that we did was pulling together the major representatives of um, 38 different, excuse me, 34 different um, Christian traditions and would have meetings around topics so that at least in the US, we had a coherent message and coherent um, work that we were doing together, and that would then tie into the work of the World Council. So I would do a lot of event planning um, and and um, and then follow up on those events to uh, get out communications and decisions that were made and things like that. I was in charge of all of our finances with QuickBooks um, and mm-hmm. making sure that we stayed within our budgets. I stepped in um, for the executive, uh, who was the main relational person when um, when they uh, were unable to answer um, a need. So I would step in at times and, and play that role as well. Um, and so that's a, that's an overhead view of the different roles I was playing in that job. Over 
oversubscribed seems appropriate um, for, <laughs> for as a description of that role. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to imagine as a, you know, like as a hiring manager, how do you advertise this role? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't. You know, I think you don't tell them everything that they're going to do. <laughs> uh, you know, I, people have the best intentions. Um, of course. Of course. Yeah. But I think that's part of it. I mean, and also um, the, the church tends to be less structured. And so I think that that also played a role. <laughs> and I was, and I, sure. and I didn't know what I was getting into. I didn't know the right questions to ask. Um, so that as well. Yeah. 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 Okay. So we're at this moment, you have just a lot weighing on you and um, there's a decision to be made. What do you do? Yeah. Well, I was really blessed to have uh, my spouse with me and um, I'm, I'll never forget sitting next to her and just crying um, because I had felt this call my entire life to go into ministry. And I felt like I had done my due diligence and I felt like doors were really opening for me. You know, this seemed to be mm -hmm. happening and, and yet, uh, you know, it, it at the end of the day, in, at least in my world, um, it's like an abandonment to my mother um, to not mm -hmm. go home and take care of her after she had raised me um, and had supported me in my dreams. Um, and so um, we sat in that place um, and it really, at least for me, came to a place where I said, you know, looking back on this time in my life where so much is going on, what, what am I going to be proud of saying that I did? What am I going to feel at peace about with what I did? Um, and so, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, I left the job at the World Council of Churches. I turned down um, Princeton Theological Seminary and I flew home. Um, my We were close to getting pregnant, so we didn't move to Portland. We moved up near Seattle because um, that's where my wife's family is, but within a reach of Portland. Um, and we moved in with my mom. Uh, for a time as well as she was going through the final stages of her passing. Mm -hmm. I'm really sorry, John. Yeah. That's, that just stinks. <laughs> it does. It absolutely does. Yeah. Yeah. And life can have a way of putting us in moments where we have to decide what's important to us. And, uh, and that was certainly one of those. And it felt like it came at a great cost. Um, and uh, I also recognize, just to put it out there, the privilege I had to be able to make that choice. Some people don't have that privilege, mm -hmm. so. Definitely, yeah. And, you know, on a maybe lighter note, you know, I would say to your point that life does put these moments in front of all of us, right? In, in different ways, right? And it shows up differently. And that's, I think, what, what I'm learning as I go through this this journey with Pivot Masters is that is the common overarching theme that something changes in someone's life and it is the catalyst for often big career pivots. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and I, I guess I'm sharing that with you right now to, to maybe offer you that... Um, yeah, having to face those those things, you're not alone, and that it the way it kind of executes itself, right, and changes the course of things, 
um, is, is a common thing. And I hope that on the other side of that, as it is for many people, there's, there's something bigger and better, right? And it turns out to something greater than you originally anticipated. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that um, there's a strange dichotomy in the sense that uh, it's important to have a dream and a vision to chase after, but at the same time, you shouldn't let that dream or vision be a trap. Um, It shouldn't, yeah, yeah, it shouldn't have... Weigh you down. Yeah, it shouldn't weigh you down. It shouldn't be, you know, you almost don't want it to be too rigid um, because of the fact is, is that stuff's going to happen and be able to be flexible within that and... Um, and, and that's why I kind of go down to that, back to that idea of like, who are you? What's important to you? How do you want to spend your work life? Um, what mm-hmm. are your goals? Because those can be lived out in different circumstances, right? Um, not necessarily a, a particular vision of exactly the practicalities of it. Yeah. John, what was your mom's name? Barb. <laughs> that's my mom's name. Oh, it's a great name. <laughs> It's a good name. It's a good name. Was was she Ann? Middle name Ann? Because my mom's Barbara Ann. Uh, oh, that's like that, the song. Like the song. That's even better. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, my mom was K. My mom was K. Um, but K. yeah, K. Barbara K. Kind of has a similar ring, though. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. I like it. All right. So you're on the West Coast now. You've got big things happening in your family. What's going on with your career? Right. At this point, I realized I needed something to uh, sustain me. I mean, we're looking at having kids. Um, I never got that Master's of Divinity degree that I would need in order to become a pastor in my church. And so I needed something in which I could take classes. Um, I wanted to be able to be with my mom, who was still ill. So while I was at uh, Fordham getting my master's in counseling degree, I had spent a summer working for a technology education camp company. Um, That summer, I had overseen a camp on my campus where kids would come and learn robotics and video game design and different technology. And so I had really loved that experience. It kind of felt like youth ministry to me. There are some real similarities there. And they, Mm. um, as I was looking all over for a next career option, I looked into this company even deeper and found that they had jobs that you could work from home and do, which was just (laughs) so perfect for me. And you didn't have to live in a specific area. And so all these logistical needs in my life really started pointing me towards this company. And Mm. uh, I love the people there. Um, It was the most organized uh, camp company I had ever worked for. Uh, And so I was thrilled um, and, and applied to work for them. Were you techie? I was uh, a tech only in, in hobby, uh, video games and um, gadgets. Mm. Couldn't couldn't and can't code. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. So John, so you you find this job uh, that this summer camp is offering. You are able to work from home. It kind of can be anywhere. There's a lot of flexibility that seems to fit your needs at this time. Walk us through what's going on in in your life at this point. Yeah, uh, 
seeking balance was a big factor, right? And understanding sure. um, how to manage, uh, how to work from home is a, is obviously a major topic <laughs> for people during the pandemic um, and will likely be one continuing after that. And so learning those skills, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I will say that I gained like 15 pounds because my kitchen was just steps from my office. Um, so, you know, there was, is kind of one of those things where trying to do a lot and trying to find balance in all realms. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I think during that time I had to really, uh, double down on being intentional with what time I had, meaning that, you know, time with my spouse, being really intentional and making that quality time, time at work, making sure I was getting things done. When I was studying, making sure that I wasn't getting lost in hopelessness, but but finding resources that would make my studying easier and better. And so, um, again, that kind of survivalist nature of saying, okay, what am I going to need to do to make it through this time and still uh, have my head on my shoulders? Sure. And how many, what's your course load? Like, do you remember like credit wise, like how much are you carrying at this point? Yeah. So it varied. Um, and I can't remember credit wise, but, um, you know, I started off being like, let's do three classes at a time. And part of that balance was realizing, <laughs> nope, nope. Um, you know, I, there's that desire, especially after having a sure. major setback, to try to push forward. Um, and in yeah. some ways I was undermining my own decision to spend time with my mom and, you know, that kind yeah. of thing by, by doing that. And so, um, so it dropped down to, to one, you know, one or two classes depending on the season. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that seems maybe a, a little more manageable than the three. <laughs> I laugh guys. Cause I've had this job that he had. Um, <laughs> and although at certain points I can see being able to carry a course load, but maybe not three. Um, like, I don't, that would be, uh, yeah. If I mean, props, I'm sure someone could do it. I'm not saying I'm like, you know, the end all be all, but man, that's a lot of work. Um, okay. So you're kind of starting to recognize, okay, I, I've made some major changes because I have these other priorities going on in my life and you're married, you're, you're out there to spend time with your mom. Um, do you want to share a little bit about that, that time that you had with your mom? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, I had some grace from, uh, my employer at the time, which was wonderful. Um, that they, you know, being in a part of that was their culture and part of it was enabled by the fact that it was a company that worked seasonally, right? Um, our main emphasis was in the summer. And so I was able for a fall, especially as she was getting closer to, to, to move in with her. Um, and my, my spouse moved in as well. And we were able to provide care for her as she was in hospice. Um, and, uh, and kind of, anyone who has walked alongside somebody in that time knows that there's not only a lot of emotional challenges um, and you're asking yourself, man, what do I want to say before this person leaves? Um, I also, you know, there was the weight of the logistical of tracking nurses and medicines and procedures. And so um, it was a time that uh, because we had made this huge change in our life, um, we were able to really invest that time um, in my mother um, and show her love practically. Again, that was a privilege that I recognized that 
my circumstances provided me. That's not true for all who experience a loss, but, um, but it was a real blessing uh, to be with her in her final time. John, <laughs> give me a second. No problem. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's, <clears throat> it's very sweet. Hmm. Um, I'm glad that you had that, that time with her. I recently learned of, um, I have a, a friend out here who has begun practicing as a, um, end of life doula. Mm -hmm. Um, so she's a, it's, it is specific to her Christian faith. Um, um, and she helps the family and the individual through all the different things that happen at this point in our lives. Right. So we have doulas when, when, when we're giving birth, right. right. Bringing a life into the world. <laughs> um, and she works with people, um, at the end. I don't know why I'm sharing this, John. I, I just, uh, <laughs> I feel like somehow, um, yeah, it, you know, hearing what you're sharing about being there and thinking through the things that you want to share with this person, right? Those are really hard concepts and heavy things. Uh, and you're a young man, folks. <laughs> right? Like Those are heavy things to be to be processing, right? And um, and yes, you know, I think we can even think of plenty of people right now who didn't have the opportunity with COVID this year and, and so many lives lost um, to, to have the time to think through those those things. But I'm I'm sure just knowing you and knowing your character, John, that you um, were off, you offered her something quite magnificent and quite special that I don't know that all of us will have at the end. Hmm. Um, just even hearing your description is just quite beautiful. Oh, thanks, Ashley. Yeah, I, um, I'm happy to hear about what your the work that your friend is doing and the purpose found there. And I think that um, death is not a topic that we are well equipped in our society. Uh, the work that your friend is doing, um, and, and that is 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 beautiful. I think. Um, I was blessed. We had hospice nurses that helped us, you know, in that time. And, yeah. and, you know, and the reality is, is that it, it's not a time where people, ideally people should not have to go through it alone. Um, and we recognize that with the yes. pandemic, that that's one of the greatest pains is, is that not only is there the, yeah. the isolation of the person who's passing, but there's also, it's just harder. You can't go hug that person who's losing their parent. Right. Um, and you can't, you can't, express love in the same ways that you're used to. Um, it's, it's yeah. awkward and, uh, right now. And so, um, so I appreciate your affirmation, um, of, of that story and, um, my reflection on my mom. And, you know, my hope is, is, is that, uh, and I'm really talking like a pastor now, <laughs> um, is that, um, as a culture, we will become more familiar with how to navigate deaths in ways that honor those passing and help bring healing to those that remain. Mm -hmm. 
I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, death is a is a topic that I I actually um, I find a little bit fascinating uh-huh. um, <laughs> um, <laughs> in, in that I I think that there is a lot of growth that we have as a society to do in this area, right? And that we are seeing some things happen on a national scale. There are laws being put in place. There's different cultural things that are happening and death looks different now than it did a hundred years ago, Uh right? There's, it looks very different. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We live a lot longer. (laughs) Um, And yeah, it's just a, it's a really interesting topic. I'm, really grateful that you're willing to step into this with me even for just this little bit of time. Yeah, absolutely. You know, what I'll say too is, is that, um, the fact is we spend so much time at work and that is a major place where Mm -hmm. we place our energies and our, and for some people they're lucky enough to place their passions there as well. And in those cases, um, you know, I think pivoting right now, part of that question is um, how, how do you build a life that, that allows you um, to be the place, in the places where you need to be and to serve the people you want to serve and to, and to live out your own dreams, right? And so um, yeah. when I look back on that time with my mom, I, I absolutely recognize that this company and their work culture and my choice to be there, all of those things allowed for that to happen that, um, and that had that pivot not happened, had I been at seminary on the East coast, um, I wouldn't have been able to live fully into where I needed to be. Yeah. Well, um, are you comfortable if we move, move forward into your career again from here? That sounds good. We took a deep dive. (laughs) We did. (laughs) All right. So John, so you have this job, it's offering this flexibility, you're taking classes and what, oh wait, what's the job? I know what the job is, but listeners don't. <laughs> yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. Uh, sorry. Sometimes there's assumed knowledge, right? Um, so it's good that you, what is it? Podcasts don't have um, exposition. You don't have like someone who can come in and be like, and this is what this means. Um, so the job, uh, it, it, I, I served in two roles, um, mainly, uh, overseeing, um, around seven or eight summer camps that had, um, a couple thousand students go through them, um, over the course of the summer. And that, and that unique thing about that company is, is that you had real ownership in those programs, meaning that I was responsible for the hiring, um, overseeing the contracts with the locations in which we held the programs. Um, I had some uh, responsibility on finances, uh, and, uh, and then over the course of the summer was the, uh, person running all the operations, um, and, uh, and any escalated client concerns and making sure the programs were safe and quality, um, for the clients. And then after that, uh, moved into a supervisory role where I got to, uh, manage four to five people that were doing my previous role. And you were great at it, John. <laughs> Ow, that's kind <laughs> of, were. actually. 
You were. I um, so I had the pleasure of working with you. I was one of those four to five um, for a brief period of time. I kind of hopped around with different managers, um, but uh, yeah, you were you were the the last manager that I had, the last supervisor, and. You're really great at your job. Um, one overarching thing that I've just always um, felt from you is your investment in building relationships. Um, and that seemed very clear from your job, our job when we were at these summer camps, which to me, you know, on the outside, right, that might not be like the most deep place, right? Um, <laughs> but you always took the opportunity to build those relationships. Do you want to talk a little bit about how your outside world, these classes are influencing your experience at these, at, at this position at the education company? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And first off, if you compliment me like that, I will do your podcast anytime. Just give me a call. Um, that's fine. Um, I, I, John I, will be back next week. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, know thyself and I like compliments. I'm just going to say it. So um, thank you, Ashley, for that. Um, yeah, so that's a that's a that's a. Uh, great question. That's a fun one because I haven't thought of it, right? Isn't that the sign of a great question is when the person who's coming on <laughs> hasn't thought of it beforehand? Um, so, but there really are strong ties and, uh, you know, not to go too deep again, but I, but I really do believe that most people want to be um, known deeply and accepted for who they are and their journey they're on. And so mm -hmm. that is something that tied together this idea of summer camp and working with um, people in that realm and um, my religious education. What I'll say is, is that summer camp is often seen as a place for um, just fun and making memories. Mm -hmm. But the reality is for a lot of kids, summer camp serves as a place to redefine their identity um, and to uh, try on different ways of being themselves. And that was even true of the staff as well. The staff that were hired over the summer um, were able to do that. And then when we talk about kind of the longer term relationships, um, I found that that role of being a, a higher level manager was a real invitation um, to have uh, deep conversations with people, you know, with their permission, their, you know, them helping lead that. Um, but having really deep conversations about um, who they were going to be. A lot of people were kind of at the start of their career when they worked at this company um, and they were trying to sort out who they were. And, um, and, and we had the space, uh, which was a blessing at this company to have long conversations. Uh, and I loved, I loved those. And so I had that opportunity to live out the idea of getting to know people, um, to show acceptance for who they are and to help them take those next steps in their journey. All right. So John, you're, you're at this, this position and, you know, I, I do really appreciate you taking the time to kind of show us that there's that connection between this, I, is spiritual side yeah. The appropriate description. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and then this kind of unique corporate job, right? And <laughs> I, I use corporate, like I would air quote that, right? Like it's a unique environment because it is a summer camp. There are different 
there's a different tone than working for, I don't know, Amazon. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, I, I, I digress. So I, I do appreciate you connecting the, those two worlds for us. As I was working with you, I remember that you also at a certain point you were taking out, is it internships? Is that the appropriate term or? So that is correct. So over the course of working at this tech company, uh, I had to continue to fulfill the requirements. Now, not I've been talking about kind of that job um, of being a pastor, but um, part of it is being ordained um, at the church. And so um, there are more requirements for even that. And, and part of that is, is that you do internships. Uh, two are required. One is at a church and one is as a chaplain in a hospital. Um, and so once my personal life was in a place uh, where we had capacity to handle that, I did do a uh, internship at a church and an internship at our local hospital um, while working at this tech company. <laughs> so so, so ha- you're, you're juggling. I mean, you have kind of multiple jobs happening simultaneously. Uh, you, luckily, you have some flexibility, it sounds like, in a relationship where you can, you know, be transparent about what's happening. Um with with that tech company and is it is it okay for me to share like your family's growing at this point correct uh the that's right my family was growing my first uh, internship at the hospital started two years after uh, my first child was born and the internship in a church was um a year after my second child was born. So, um, you know, part of this equation was having a, not just a supportive uh, partner um, with the kids, but mm-hmm. was also having a partner who saw this, uh, not just as my um, calling, but but to a point where uh, she also f- feels called for us to live in this unique lifestyle within a church. And so she was able to sacrifice a lot um, because she saw herself as being a part of this calling that wasn't just for me, but as a family. Yeah. I I am curious, John, like, did you feel like you were like physically changing hats at a certain point? Like, oh, I'm at, I'm at the camps and now I'm, I've got Pastor John and then now I'm back at camp, right? Like, how are you (laughs) managing what seems like a duality of, of, needs right and and personality yeah that's absolutely true and uh i would i think i'll talk mainly about the hospital internship because i i I was able to Mm -hmm. to to make those transitions in the church uh world because i was used to the church so the church internship was less of a jump but the hospital um was was really difficult um and it was emotionally challenging because uh um, as a as a chaplain in a hospital, you are on call, and so if somebody has a heart attack and goes to the ER at two a.m. in the morning, uh, you're automatically called to come in at two a.m. in the morning and be with that family as they wrestle with that heart attack. And so, um, it is to do that and then switch over to fun, happy summer camp company was very <laughs> very difficult. Um, so, you know, I think for one, um, there were. Uh, you know, again, the ability to be organized was really important because being organized allowed me to have space in order to recover from when times were difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, it, uh, 
there was a level of, you know, having a ritual that allowed me to transition from one context to another. And so I still now, when I drive up to the hospital, I have an emotional reaction to it, which is me putting on my spiritual armor um, and not to, you know, and, and not meaning that I'm being closed off to people, but just preparing for um, really hard uh, emotional work um, as headed towards the hospital. I still feel that to this day. And then when driving home, giving up all those stresses and those pains and um, saying, okay, it's not just all on me. This family has other support. Um, there's other people, there's kind mm -hmm. nurses that are coming around them and it's not all up to me. And now it's my time to focus on my family and to recover for myself. Um, all right. So you're at this job and you're, you're with the summer camps for a, peer, a, a good stretch of time. How many years? Uh, nine years and a couple months. Nice. All right. <laughs> so a, a healthy chunk. You, you finish up your, your education and you're or, ordained, correct? Uh, yeah, that's the term. Yeah, it's a, a technicality in our world is um, that you get everything ready for ordination. You do your tests and you do your internships and you do um, your schooling. And then you kind of wait until you find that job and then it get accepted. And then they say you're ordained, which means that you are kind of chosen to have this special role in mm -hmm. this church in particular. So you're ordained into a community, if that makes sense. I see. Okay. So would you be willing to share a little bit about your journey from tra that transition that you're going to make from working with this education company to being a full-time pastor? What does that look like? How do you go about it? Yeah. So uh, first off, I would say, um, uh, <laughs> uh, to, to, you know, just to be really transparent, I think you, you, you start to recognize like when and who and how you start thinking through how to talk to people about this transition, kind of mm -hmm. who, who are you able to kind of let in early and, and get support from and who are those people that you need to be prepared to kind of talk them through it and their reasoning. And so um, really started that process and started having those conversations. And um, and because this was such a long-term plan, I was able to give a decent amount of heads up, um, which was which was helpful. Um, and then um, and then I started, you know, doing the search. And uh, the search was a real roller coaster that I could spend an hour talking about. I'm trying to summarize it in my mind. The, <laughs> so we had chosen because this was a spiritual choice for us to really open ourselves up. And we we said we will go anywhere in the U.S. And so I started interviewing with churches in Pittsburgh and um, in uh, Wisconsin and uh, all over the U.S., California. Um, and uh, during this time, you know, I'm in, we're in our hometown where we decide that we're going to move. We moved down to um, we had been coming down to Portland to be with my mom, but we moved down to Portland for a time because we knew that's where my family was. We knew that we would be moving somewhere far away. So we're trying to get our family time in with our kids, get connections made before we move. And so, mm -hmm. um, I, and then lo and behold, this opening opens up at a church in Portland. 
And this seems like, <laughs> wow, this is amazing. I can, I can have, I can have it all. I can have my family. I can have, um, you know, I can be, um, be a pastor. I can, you know, and, um, I, I really went for it with this position. I was all in on this position and, um, and they, uh, they, I left the interview. I remember walking away from the guy. We it's an interview weekend in the church, so you spend um, you spend a lot of time socializing and also preaching and um, and doing interviews. And I walked away after that weekend, and I remember walking away. And the guy says to me, "Wow, you've made our decision really hard." Um, and I and I was like, "I think that's a good thing. I think that means I'm in the <laughs> running." Um, yeah. And then, um, sure enough, a few days later, I found out that I was their second pick. Um, and I was really devastated. And I, I got to give props to this church because they invited me out to coffee um, afterwards, which doesn't happen um, in a typical job interview situation. <laughs> you know, and he told me, he's like, I just want to tell you, we think you're great. You know, you're awesome. But this other person has actually has experience working in the church full time. And so... It was tied directly to this crazy journey as the reason I didn't get this job that I thought was ideal for me. Um, so we really had a moment there where we thought, do we disengage from this for a while? Do we, I mean, this is, this is just such a setback. This is so frustrating. And at that same time, a position opened up in our old hometown. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to just put, that'll be one of the last ones. I'll put my name in for that one. I'm going to hope. Um, and uh, we'll see what happens. I put it in um, and we ended up getting an interview. We did basically in the interview process, I started recognizing, oh my goodness, these people that I'm talking to, I really respect them. They're asking me hardest interview questions I've ever had. They are asked, they are not letting me get away with anything in these interviews. I can't, I can't give an easy answer. They are just um, really figuring out who I am and, um, I really respected their dedication to the process. And so um, we had the interview weekend. Uh, and I have to tell you, the interview weekend, I realized that the other church was the right place logistically, but that this church was the right place spiritually, relationally. Um, and, hmm. and I really walked away thanking God that I did not get that other job. Um, and I wasn't, I wasn't right for them. I was in it for the wrong reasons. As they say on the bachelorette, I was totally in it for the wrong reasons <laughs> with that other job. Um, and yeah. And so, um, so all of that said, um, you know, when that happened, I was able to then let people at my current employer know, um, that, you know, we were, we, I would be moving on and, um, and I was grateful that there was that allowed for a season of time where I could say thank you and goodbye um, to people uh, from that organization. That's awesome. I mean, I, I think, yeah, the stars align sometimes and, and teach us, you know, what we think we want might not always actually be. Story of my life. Yeah. <laughs> what we need. Yep. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so John, so so you you've accepted this new position. You've moved on from that role. That's really it sounds like supported you through major um 
moments in your life, right? I feel like that nine year span covered a lot of things, the birth of your children, the loss of your mother going through school, right? Like there's just huge things that happen there. And now you're on this new adventure. And do you want to tell listeners when that happened? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, (laughs) I had done all this study and all this preparation for, um, for a time that would really no longer exist in the sense that I, <laughs> I, um, I, I got the job in January, but my first, uh, my start date was May of 2020. <laughs> <laughs> easy, easy, easy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's like my, my sarcasm sticker or, you know, like I wish I had like a, <laughs> okay, goodness. Okay. So <laughs> May of 2020, you're going to take on this role where you're serving a community and supporting a community, which sounds like something that fits your lifelong dreams. But again, a little bit of the deep end of the pool because the world's going through this crazy thing in the moment that you step into this job. Do you want to talk about what that was like, or do you want us to kind of skip over it? How do you want to address this? I'm, I'm happy to talk about it. And I think, um, you know, one thing that I think is important uh, to include uh, in this is, is that, um, you know, in the church, we don't do things on our own. And this it really, you talk about, you know, serving a community and in the way my church is structured and, and the churches within the Presbyterian denomination, in which I'm a part of are structured is, is that it really is a community effort. And so I can talk about what I did, but it means nothing if the community doesn't, you know, buy into it, uh, try it and also correct it. Right. I've definitely done things um, in the last nine months where I needed correction from the community I serve. Um, and so uh, I'm certainly happy to talk about that experience, but I want to make sure that credit goes where credit is due. Um, hmm. And so with, uh, you know, in, in March, uh, we started to have things shut down in uh, the state of Washington. And we started to recognize how serious this was. And my kids were sent home from school. And um, and uh, we recognized I was following the church at that point and recognizing that they were having to make hard decisions. And they did decide to close their building. Um, at the time, it was thought it would just be for a season. But obviously, it's been a very long season. <laughs> <laughs> and what that led me to. Uh, to be in the position of is having all of this training um, from my attempt spiritually to to prepare um, that that didn't translate how I expected. There was a lot of wisdom that I was given and believed in that doesn't work in the pandemic um, because of our limitations and our Mm -hmm. way of operating. So that meant we had to lean into experimentation. And again, I credit the people of the church for being willing to experiment um, and come up with their own experiments and try things and be willing to do new things. And it, in some sense, my preparation at that tech camp company reserved us because I um, knew all about Zoom. I knew all about, um, (laughs) you know, how to shoot a video and doing other techie things. And so in some sense, uh, that really helped the church, I think, say, oh, this is somebody, you know, who can help us. And I was able to use a whole skill set that I thought I would leave behind. So yeah. that was a real that was a real surprise. Uh, and 
Yeah, I think that I have, you know, churches are not known to be places where a start startup culture is really embraced. Um, but that has been the last nine months right now. Um, we, we keep on reinventing not who we are, but how we do who we are. And we're finding new things about ourselves as a community. John, I, I'm curious, within, um, with your church, I, I know that you've been doing some virtual um, services. Does that mean that you are opening it up to people outside of your local demographic? Yeah, absolutely. So we are, you know, in the last nine months, we have launched, um, you know, doing worship in a visually, in a visual online format, um, you know, where before you'd have somebody stand at a pulpit and preach and you would have musicians play songs. We've had to translate that all on a line. And that has given us yeah. a lot of freedom in opening up who participates in worship um, and in our programs. And so right now, um, the church is actually more inclusive than it's really been in the past because the method of joining is so accessible. Um, there are some lighter stories. We've had college students uh, come back and join us from their college campuses online for worship. Mm. We've had I've had my family uh, from the Portland area follow along. We have leaned into doing a podcast because we were inspired by this person named Ashley who was doing a podcast and thought, <laughs> how could we do that too? Um, so now our sermons are a podcast. Um, and so we've leaned into that. But on a, on a more, on a serious note, um, we had uh, somebody who uh, was ill and passed away in our congregation. And that person was able to join us in worship from their hospital room because we had embraced wow. this new format. And so um, absolutely, uh, you know, we have been able to lean into expanding our, our reach um, and allowing people to join where they are at um, in this time. Would you say, what would you say was your biggest or most challenging pivot? I would say that the biggest pivot would be uh, moving from uh, not working in the church world and working into the church world. Um, and mm -hmm. uh, it was it was challenging in a sense that if you looked at it from the beginning, it was a monumental amount of work that had to happen and stars that had to align. And um, and it was really only through the support of so many people along the way that I was able to make it through. And, you know, those are people that are close to me, um, such as my spouse um, and, you know, my work supervisors. Um, and those, there's also so many people that chose to take me on as a mentor or mentee, excuse me, um, and help me on my journey. And so um, I think one of the things that I didn't realize in starting that pivot was, is that I wouldn't have to do it alone. Hmm. Yeah. John, what does the future hold for you? Hmm. The future holds uh, the, the joy and privilege of uh, living out uh, faith and service to my local community um, and to grow uh, together. Um, and how we support those people around us um, and uh, grow as a church. And it 
it um, leads us leads me into a time where I get to experience. Um, <laughs> it's funny to say during a pandemic, but I get to experience uh, people's stories uh, in person. And they also get to be a powerfully influential part of my life, my children's life and my spouse's life. Um, and we get to, as I said before, we get to be known, loved and accepted, and we get to grow towards the goal of doing that for our wider community. All right, so John, we're we're at the end of our interview, but I, I just wanna thank you for your time and being so present with us and vulnerable, I, w I think is a fair word. Because uh, <laughs> I think, and I think anyone who works in a space where they are working in it with their spirituality, right? That you're probably a little more accustomed to vulnerability, but this is a different platform and a different way of talking about it, right? Um, so thank you. Thanks for showing up today. Absolutely. I really appreciate the opportunity and the excuse to reconnect with you um, and uh, and to be a part of this new thing that you're building that I'm already enjoying. So thank you. And uh, oh. yeah, I'm excited to follow where this goes. Um, so. <laughs> Thanks. interview with Pastor John Asher. John, thank you so much for your time and sharing your story. Um, guys, I, I hope you enjoyed listening to John's story. I, um, I, I'm just so grateful that he was vulnerable and showed up just wholeheartedly for that conversation. Um, it means so much and it really did for me translate into just such a memorable and positive and beautiful conversation. Um, all right. All right. So thank you again for joining us. We will be back again next week because we're here every week. Um, let's see. So we have another story coming next week. And again, this is going to be another person that I've worked with in the past. Uh, so yes, if you're a part of that crew of people who I've worked with, uh, thank you all for <laughs> talking with me and sharing your stories so that we can get them here on the podcast. Because I feel like I've just had the good fortune of knowing some really incredible human beings. Um, all right. So if you are, you know, taking a look around online, check us out on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Patreon. Remember, our Patreon members get exclusive benefits and pretty soon they're starting to get merch. Uh, so it's not just, you know, access to clips and and early access to information about our episodes any longer. Uh, we're going to start releasing merch to our Patreon members. So, hey, thanks for our subscribers. And expect some information about all that coming soon through your Patreon subscription. Uh, and please take a look at it. We have... Um, 
entry level and kind of larger Patreon subscription options. Um, And we're also going to be adding some donation options as well. Um, So keep an eye out for that moving forward. Thank you to my whole team who helps me make this possible. Uh, So my husband, Dinesh, who just makes techie things happen. uh, (laughs) Thank you. I love you. Uh, Hira, my marketing specialist. Tigger, my sound editor. Um, Just uh, Anna. Anna, who does all the graphics um, for Pivot Masters, thank you all for all of your help. Folks, if you haven't listened to Star Over Blue, which is the band who plays music at the intro and outro of our uh, podcast, take a look at them. They're amazing. I love their music. I regularly have them on repeat on my Spotify account. Anyways, um, if you enjoy the music, take a look at Star Over blue. And yeah, thanks for popping by. I really appreciate you. You guys have a good one and I'll be back again soon. 